Bows and TKOs, we are live. Episode 25 coming at you on this beautiful Friday afternoon. And we're going to break down some MMA action. We had the Bellator 301. We're previewing the PFL Championship. And we also had UFC Fight Night Vegas 82. And then we have a week off for the holidays. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, we had Roman Delidzi taking on Nasser Dean Amavov February 3rd. I mean, this is a fun, you know, just big battle scrap. Two heavy strikers, uh, well, well-rounded in the kickboxing. Uh, that should be a, a fun stylistic matchup for the fans. We have Marcos Rogerio de Lima taking on Justin Taffa, UFC 298 on February 17th. Um, two, two big dogs going at it. And then sad news. We have Dan Hooker out of his fight against Bobby Green. So we're inserting the tarantula Jalen Turner. Thanks for saving the day on short notice. Um, Bobby was like, I can't wait to, to see who's down to be a, a, a bad mofo. Like I am taking this on short notice. Bummer to see Dan Hooker re-injuring his arm. We have Jim Miller booked again against Gabriel Benitez, January 13th. Um, hopefully he could fight this fight, get a win, and, and go end his career at UFC 300. We have Jack Hermanson taking on Joe Pfeiffer, February 10th in a main event for a, a fight night card. That should be a great one. Finally getting to see Joe in the top, uh, the, uh, top of the division. In bantamweight, we have Pedro Munoz taking on Kyler Phillips, UFC 299. The only fight announced on that card is the Sugar Show rematch in his first title defense against Cheeto Vera. So two MMA lab guys. We got Jalen Turner, Bobby Green, December 2nd. Thanks again to Jalen Turner for saving the main event because everything's bigger in Texas, and this should be a big fight night card. And then officially, UFC 298 is um, going to be in Anaheim. So we have UFC 297 in Toronto, UFC 298 in Anaheim. And I cannot wait to see UFC 299 location as I will be going to that Sugar Sean title defense. Got to see him uh, protect the strap. And there's going to be lots of drama with that rematch. Um, I've heard rumors in Miami uh, with, with 298 being in Anaheim. I could see it potentially being in Vegas. I know Sean loves to fight in Vegas, but who knows? The UFC has been traveling a lot. Uh, hopefully it's not too far so I could not break the bank too bad. But let's jump into PFL news. Um, PFL is keeping the Bellator fighters and the Bellator promotion. They plan on doing a mega event that will put the champions between the two promotions against each other. And they're creating a Bellator International Series, which will feature eight yearly events. And Bellator fighters will be allowed to compete in the PFL, I'm sure, selectively. So they're trying to keep the two together. I know I think they wanted to keep Bellator a name for a couple of years and then just have it all PFL. Um, but they're keeping all the fighters on the roster, I guess, unless they're free agents like Michael Venom Page. Um, but I'm interested to see if any of these guys come to the UFC or if they stay in this promotion. Uh, now they have that Saudi money backing them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But let's talk about Bellator 301. Solid card. I, you know, kind of bummed with the way it... I, I've beaten this drum a million times. 
with their biggest names, their biggest opportunities. The cards just never really have it for me with the big name fights. Um, we had Islam Mamedov with a split decision win over Kilius Moda. Tamor Kirziev with unanimous decision over Justin Gonzalez. Alexander Shabli with a unanimous decision over Patricky Frieri. And you know, Patricky tried to battle, um, but again, all these are decisions. We had AJ McKee with a unanimous decision over Sydney Outlaw. He won by basically beating him up from his back. We had the worst fight ever, Rafian Stotts with a unanimous decision over Danny Sabatello. Uh, I, I would never want to watch a Danny Sabatello fight again. He just basically wrestles, doesn't even strike. But the biggest one, we had Patchy Mix with a round two rear naked choke over Sergio Pettis to become the new champion. Um, Patchy made it this his style of fight. He was not really willing to sit there and strike with Sergio, which is a bummer because as a fan, that's what I want to see. And then Jason Jackson with the only finish, well, I guess the rear naked choke, but only TKO finish over the champion Yaroslav Amosov. So lots of decisions, lots of grappling, it's just a meh level of, uh, of product that they've been putting out. Uh, so again, I try to get Bellator hyped up a little bit. I, I spend my time to watch the stuff. And it, I've never been like, golly, I'm so happy I watched UFC Bellator 301. But for some reason, I renewed my Cox <laughs> subscription for a year or my contract for a year. And they threw in Showtime free. So uh, I was able to watch Bellator on Showtime, which is nice. Moving in, let's see if the PFL could do any better for their championships this weekend in Washington, D.C. Um, the prelims are at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific on ESPN Plus and the main card on, at 5 o'clock Pacific ESPN Plus pay-per-view. I would assume some of these show out. Um, in the main event, we have Olivier Aubin Mercier, OAM, the defending million-dollar champion, taking on Clay Collard who has been just a slugger. So let's see if, if OAM is willing to strike with him or just grapples him. We have Dennis Goltsov versus the very young up-and-coming hard hitter, Henan Renan Ferreira. Uh, that should be an interesting one. I do expect to finish here. I'm probably going to go with the young younger Ferreira here, and I'm just going to go with OAM in the main event. Uh, this one should be slight work. We have Larissa Pacheco, Looking to be the first double champ in PFL history, taking on Marina Maknakina. Uh, but I would expect Larissa to get the, uh, the job done. We have Sadabu C taking on Megomed, Megomed Kiramov. As you expect with a double Megomed name, this is a grappling heavy fighter. So this might just be him trying to wrestle his way to victory. But if he does stand and strike, Sadabu C makes fun fights. That would be fun. Ex-UFC fighter Impa Kasagane. If you don't know that name, you might uh, know him from his viral knockout uh, from Buckley in the UFC debut. He's taking on Josh Silveria for the million dollars. Then we have Kayla Harrison versus Aspen Ladd. It was supposed to be Julia Budd, but we're getting Aspen Ladd. These are non-title fights. Ray Cooper III taking on ex-UFC fighter Derek Brunson. That'll be a fun one. See how, how Brunson can do in the PFL. Got to take your boy Brunson, and I'm going to take Kayla Harrison. We have Gabriel Braga versus Jesus Pinedo. I think this is going to be a, a, a solid stylistic matchup, good striking. If I had to pick, I think it's pretty even. I'd go with Pinedo just because he beat uh, um, the last year's winner, 
Brendan Lognane, who I thought was one of the better competitors in, in PFL. And then we got Bubba Jenkins and Chris Wade. Um, so we'll, we'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Elsewhere in MMA, not a lot going on. But Gordon Ryan is booked for the UFC Fight Pass Invitational 5, December 9th, against Mason Fowler. This was supposed to be the GSP fight, but that fight ended up not happening due to injuries. So we're getting Gordon Ryan, Mason Fowler as the main event. I think J Gordon Ryan now has two two matches coming up uh, in the next couple months. So uh, see one of the best grapplers ever to grapple uh, do it in the no-gi for Fight Pass Invitational 5. But let's break down USC Fight Night Vegas 82. We got those picks back, baby. Went 6-2. and two. So we are now 122-77-3 so far with bows and TKOs. How about it? Some good fights we did not break down. We had Jekka Saragi with a round two knockout over Lucas Alexander. Uh, great performance. And then Christian Leroy Duncan CLD with a round two D, uh, knockout over Dennis Tululin. Uh, as expected, great performance by CLD. Can't wait to see him as he gets stiffer competition. Let's kick it off in the prelims, a fight I did not get right. We had Joe Anderson Brito with a round two submission via ninja choke uh, over Jonathan Pierce, performance of the night, 50 Gs for Brito. And I'm pretty sure this was like, I can't quite remember, but JSP was on top talking shit, and all of a sudden he got ninja choked. So uh, kind of a funny situation. You know, he pretty much controlled the fight through over, throughout the, the first round and a half uh, and just found himself in a bad spot getting ninja choked. Uh, but he was able to get takedowns. He was able to do ground and pound as he typically does and had some success in the striking department as well. And breaking down the stats, you will see the difference here. Jonathan landed 81 total strikes, although only 14 were significant. He did have one takedown and four attempts. Not great. And a reversal while Brito only landed 33 total and eight significant, so a lot less volume. Uh, he did have the takedown in the submission attempt. So Joe Anderson now extends his winning streak to four. He is an impressive five and one in the UFC. And Jonathan ends his five-fight winning streak and starts a new losing streak. So what's next for these dudes? Well, I would love to see Billy uh, Quarantillo take on Brito. I think that'd be a fantastic matchup. I know that Billy's been calling for some big names and hasn't got those those fights, so let, let's make it happen. And for Jonathan, how about Nate the Train Landaware? I mean, come on, who would not want to see that? Moving into the main card, the young stud, the only other fight I got wrong, Mictebek Orobai with a round two submission via neck crank over Yorosh Medic. And uh, again, did this on short notice. Was able to come in 25 years old, shocked the world, and, and really put it to Medich. I mean, he made this his pace, his style. Very impressive. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens uh, in, in his next couple of fights and see the potential here. He has, you know, obviously he's foreign, but I, I feel like he's got a little bit of Shavkat Rukmanov in him. Statistically, Euros landed 17 total strikes. 14 of those were significant. Compared to Orobai's 16 total Eight significant with seven takedowns in 10 attempts. So lots of takedowns was pretty successful. And that submission attempt. So now Miktabik extends his winning streak to seven. 
This is his first UFC victory, and Uros ends his two-fight winning streak and starts a new losing streak. I mean, how far do you go with Mittebeck? I'm not too sure. But I think a fight with Tim the Dirty Bird Means would make a lot of sense. Tim Means ain't scarred. And for Euros, how about Gabriel Bonfim, who just suffered his first loss? Uh, I think that would be a good fight. Moving on, Amanda Ribas with a round three TKO over Luana Pinero. Performance of the night, 50 Gs. I mean... I know Luana's hard-hitting, but she came out looking for the finish. Big, loopy power shots as hard as she can. I mean, as hard as she can, bringing the house. And, you know, she, she, she clipped Amanda a couple times. Amanda had to eat some shots in the first round, um, but definitely started feeling more confident in rounds two and three because you can't just be throwing power punches like that the whole time. And I think come to round three, Amanda just tired her out. She out, out durabled her, basically. She ate those shots, came in in the second round, had some good kicks, was chopping out her power, power uh, legs for those punches. And in round three, Luana was just so gassed, Amanda was able to pour it on, and she was able to win rounds two and three and get the win here. And obviously got the finish. The finish wasn't like a clean knockout. She was just so gassed it was over. Very impressive by Amanda to face all these women, go through so much adversity, be pulled into deep waters. She's the nicest, you know, she's happy, she's smiling. Um, it's just awesome to see that she can be that on the outside, come in the octagon, be a warrior, and do what needs to be done. In her post-fight interview, she even talked about uh, someone who had just passed, and she dedicated this fight to them, so it, it, it kind of resurged her in rounds two and three. Really awesome to hear you love those types of things and great performance against a very, very good young up-and-coming Luana. I mean, she's not young. I mean, I think she's actually older than her. Um, but she's a lot less UFC experience. Still very, very talented fighter. Now, statistically, Amanda landed 96 total strikes. 87 of those were significant. She had a knockdown and was 0-for-1 in takedown attempts. And Luana landed 56 total strikes, 55 of those significant and had one takedown of her own, but had six attempts, so, so it wasn't very successful there. So Amanda starts a new winning streak. She moves to 2-2 two and two since 2022 at both strawweight and flyweight. Um, now she moves up one spot in the rankings to number nine. Luana ends her nine-fight winning streak, starts a new losing streak, and it's her first loss in the UFC. So again... Amanda says, watch out, straw weight on back. Okay, so if you're sticking with straw weight, how about a little Amanda on Amanda crime? Give me Amanda Ribas, Amanda Lemos. As she stated, she's, she's ready for the best in the straw weight division. So with a win like that, why not give her one of those shots, especially, especially with Lemos coming off a loss? And for Luana, how about, you know, I said last week, maybe Lupi Godinez for Mackenzie Dern. But I could also see Luana for Mackenzie Dern. So two girls coming off a loss have been in the upper echelon. Mackenzie um, gets to fight back a little bit. It'll be interesting to see, but I think that would be a fantastic fight. Moving on to the Youngbloods, we had Peyton Talbot with a round three submission via rear naked choke over Nick Aguirre. And I haven't seen all of Peyton's pro fights, obviously, but I have seen him in the contender series in this fight. He had to go through some adversity. I mean, Nick got a takedown and controlled him for like four and a half minutes. 
controlled him the entire round. Peyton was calm, cool, collected, and had to do, did what he had to do the rest of the fight. He was able to out-grapple Nick the rest of the way, out-cardio him, had more stamina, and clearly was the better striker. I mean, Nick did not want to throw hands if he did not have to. I, I don't think we'd see Nick in the UFC again after this striking performance, but um, very impressive by Peyton again having to do what he had to do so young in his career at such a young age. Statistically, he landed 58 total strikes. 28 of those were significant, and he did have a submission attempt. Nick only landed 18 total strikes, five of those significant, and he had two takedowns and 10 attempts. So although he had the takedown early and controlled, it seemed like he gassed himself out a little bit. Um, you know, the 10 attempts, two for 10, that, that's not going to cut it either. So uh, Peyton stays undefeated. He extends his winning streak to seven getting his first UFC victory post-contender series, and Nick ends his losing, uh, extends his losing streak to two, to two, both of them in the UFC. If Nick is in the UFC next, I could see him maybe take on Muin Gafurov, but I don't think he will be. And for Peyton, how about Dan Argetta? That would be a fun matchup. And the Young Bloods kept cruising, man. We had Chase Hooper with a round one submission via rear naked choke over Jordan Levitt. And, uh, man, these guys have some good grappling. Boy, were these 50-50 scramble positions fun to watch. Hill hook into, you know, uh, full guard into triangle. Freaking Jordan smashed Chase pretty good with a hammer fist and lit him up a little bit. He scrambled out, got, got back up as to his feet, got his own takedown. Back into, like, leg lock situations, 50-50 on top. Uh, North-south positions. Uh, it was just a wild situation for both of them just to be able to transition that smoothly shows how much time they put in the gym, how good they are at their craft. And Chase was somehow, after all this great defense and uh, and transitions and reversals by Jordan, was just able to somehow still in the locks, get the choke in, and, and it happened just like that. Jordan didn't even get to defeat it. And I think that Chase is always just kind of a move ahead of him in those transitions. But, man, that was fun jujitsu. If we're going to watch the grappling the way it went, I mean, that, that's some fun stuff. Um, Chase landed 13 total strikes, only one of those significant, and he did have the submission attempt. Jordan landed five total strikes, three of them significant. He had a reversal and was 0 for 2 in his own takedowns. And although not a lot of striking here, again, brilliant ground game. I'm surprised Chase got a finish so early. Uh, but, man, what a win for him on, in his young UFC career. So Chase extends his winning streak to two. He is three and one since 2022. And Jordan starts a new losing streak. He is two and two since 2022. So what's next for the dream Hooper? I think you give me Chase and John McDessie or Ricky Glenn. And for Jordan, he could fight Otman Azaitar. Uh, but I know that Chase only 24 has a ton of potential, looking just to steadily get some fights under his wing and move up. He's still got so many years in the UFC. And for Jordan, you know, tough loss for him back to the drawing board. Great fight, though. Moving on, again, the theme last week MSG, or last, last card, was all knockouts, that MSG energy. Here it was just a main card showcase of a bunch of young studs, the future of the sport. And boy, did Michael Morales show that with the unanimous decision victory over Jake Matthews. And again, Jake's been around. He's durable. He's good everywhere. And Michael just outstruck him, outpowered him, 
and really just mentally defeated Jake Matthews, which is not an easy thing to do. Jake wasn't going anywhere. He kept hanging in the pocket. He tried to battle back, but Michael has that big, long reach. He was able to use those jabs, use his kicks, and every time you just see Michael land a shot, you're just like, oh, man. Like You want to talk about damage, this kid has it. And he's went to a new team. He's leveling up his game. Uh, watch out because uh, Michael Morales is a freaking problem. Statistically, Michael landed 84 total strikes and significant. He was 0 for 1 in takedown attempts. And Jake landed 57 total strikes and significant strikes. And he was 0 for 1 in takedowns himself as well. So just a straight back and forth affair. The first round, they were filling each other out a little bit. But um, they started going and Michael was just was having the advantage there. So Michael stays undefeated, extends his winning streak to 16. He is 5-0 in the UFC. And Jake starts a new losing streak. He is 2-2 two two since 2022. So what's next? I think the fight to make is Renat Fakhradinov and Michael Morales. I mean, come on. Stylistically, banger. Total scrap. And for Jake, let's let him scrap with Santiago Ponzanibio. I mean, that's just another, that's a win-win for fight fans, matchmakers. Make it happen. Moving into the main event. Again, the theme continues to stay. The young studs show out. Brendan Allen with a round three submission via rear naked choke over Paul Craig. 50 G's. I mean, he submitted the jiu-jitsu guy. I know he's a jiu-jitsu guy as well, but, you know, I don't think... Brendan Allen, great with the rear naked choke. No doubt about it. Gets it in, barely gets the the the, the uh, hooks in, just somehow finds it, doesn't even, like, measure it up, just, boom, pulls in for it, finds these chokes. I would not have guessed he would have uh, finished Paul Craig for your rear naked choke. Um, but Brendan was better. He was taking Paul down. He was... Landed some nice elbows, bloodied him up, brilliant ground and pound. Every time um, Paul was looking to get a, a submission off, you know, Brendan was there. He Brendan does a good job of being in your guard, but having top control up front where they can't get their legs back, get their hips back, where they have that open space to get submissions. That's something that I'm trying to use as my strategy in jiu-jitsu now um, because, yeah, I'm not the most jiu-jitsu guy, flexible. I'm a little bit thicker right now. Right, I can't be just throwing up triangle chokes and shit like that. So I'm trying to get in there, smash and pass, stay there, find those openings. And Brendan Allen executed perfectly. He outstruck Paul and really just outclassed him through the entire fight. Uh, I thought this was one of the better performances of Brandon in quite some time. Statistically, Brandon landed 52 total strikes, 32 of them significant. He had two takedowns and two submission attempts as well. Paul landed 13 total and six significant strikes with a submission attempt, but was 0 for 2 in takedown attempts. So Allen extends his winning streak to 6 all since 2022. He's been doing the damn thing. Brandon moves up two spots in the rankings to number 8. Paul starts a new losing streak and is now 1-1 one one at middleweight. He stays at 13 in the rankings. So where does Brandon go now? I think a fight with Marvin Vittori absolutely makes sense. He deserves it. He deserves the top of the division. And for Paul, I, I don't know if he's going to stay in middleweight or not. He looks really skinny. They can't be the easiest weight cuts. But if he does, how about Anthony Hernandez? So again, you know, I'm post-Thanksgiving right now, full of turkey. 
but we have the week off this weekend. Another fight night card next week in Austin, Texas. Boy, I wish I was going. But Neil Dariush, Armin Sarukian, headline in that fight. And then another loaded, or this is as loaded as a fight night as it gets in Texas. But then we have that Shanghai fight night card the next week uh, in the UFC Apex and 296 before Christmas. I'm your host, Shane Gillette, episode 25. Have a great holiday weekend. See you next week.